Hey, Adam. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm happy. What are you happy about? Um, that we are recording an opening after the Do- podcast, and we are kind of living in a time warp right now. We are, because we've already recorded the, the podcast that we posted on Facebook live as it was happening. So you can make fun of the way we look on our Facebook page. And the way we spell on this episode of Graphic Content. Stay a while and listen. He called you a cowboy. What in Sam Hill? What did he mean? What are you? I'm the abomination. The strongest mutant of all. Know this, swimming bird. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. This blue eye perceives all things conjoined. I cared much for the word impregnable. The past. Sounds a bit too much like unsinkable. The future. What's wrong with unsinkable? Nothing. And the present. As the iceberg said to the Titanic. Zappa, how's life? He seems nice. doors hell hi how are you <laughs> how do we know if we have viewers uh you know what i think we would actually need to be logged into facebook did you want to do that while I'm, I'm talking about a couple of things all right i can do that okay cool so we're doing this special live facebook thing because adam and i despite our best attempts could not get our schedules synced up so that we could have uh an actual pre-recorded session as we like to do um so instead we thought, and by we, I actually mean me, because I'm the one with the, the, who is more the harebrained schemer out of everybody here, and by everybody, I mean two. Point being made, what am I trying to do? I'm, I'm trying to... I'm trying, I know. I have no fucking clue. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. I'm the only one viewing this. You're the only one viewing I'm this. I'm the only one viewing this. <laughs> so, yeah, there we go. Hi, everybody. This is this is absolutely we shouldn't have it have sound because that just makes yeah, it I'm sad. To... Yeah, just mute it. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, for those of you who are going to watch the replay of this, and I know there's going to be a million of you doing that, um, we are basically recording and putting this out on Facebook Live as an experiment. We only ca- I only came up with the idea for this uh, pretty much as I was driving home last night from work. So there you go. Uh, yep. Next time we're going to put out a lot more notice before we put these mugs on television again. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I you was know, it's par for the course with us. I was kind of excited to do this. I don't really care if there's people watching or not because people are going to listen, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, we are recording. That's why we have these microphones on. Yeah. Um, we have no idea how this sounds coming across the internet, but we are re- really recording a podcast at the same time. Yeah. So, um, what are we recording our podcast about today, Jim? Well, actually, I want to save that a little bit because I want to touch back to episode 31. All right. I know this is my turn to screw with you a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm just along for the ride. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Well, I talked about these great comics from my youth, this run that Jim Starlin did. Um, oh, it uh, says we have four viewers now. So. Oh, okay. Well, hello, four viewers. Uh, definitely make yourself known. Shout out. Adam will give your name out on the internet. 
as long but not as not your dress, don't worry. Don't worry, we won't do that. We don't believe in stalking. Stalking is bad, kids. Anyway, so in episode 31, we talked about some of our favorite Superman stories, and I stumbled into a childhood memory, which you know, I, I talked about what was really my one of my favorite Superman stories, besides whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. And it was a run of uh, that started with the very first appearance of Mongol and War World. Yes, I am talking about this. I'm also looking down at the same time, which you should not do in television. But uh, anyway, these comics, television, internet, same damn thing. It has a camera. So anyway, uh, these are great comics done by by comic book luminary Jim Starlin. Uh, First appearance, Martian Manhunter. I got this for a steal. I don't remember the eBay seller that I got it from, but he was very prompt, and the, sh the book shipped in condition as expected, so A++++. Anyway, this is a great story where Superman had to retrieve a crystal key for Mongol so that he can activate all of the nuclear missiles on War World. <laughs> Because <laughs> why not? Why not? <laughs> because it needed nuclear missiles. But then again, this is the 1970s, and there was nothing more destructive than nuclear missiles. So DC couldn't use a planet-destroying super laser because a certain movie already used that. So Really? Yeah. That had already been done? A year before, because this was, I think, 1979. Oh, okay. I could actually look in the book, but I don't want to waste That's, time. Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to show this, and, I, and, and as I'm kind of showing off these issues, uh, here is the one where uh, Superman and Supergirl take on Mongol. So as I was talking about on the previous episode, I got the order of comics wrong. I thought it was Superman, Supergirl, then Superman, Martian Manhunter, but it was actually Superman, Martian Manhunter first because Martian Manhunter went to a faraway planet to start a new pl planet and to somehow recreate the Martian race, which had died out, called New Mars. Okay. And on New Mars is where uh, he was, or his people were originally trusted with a key to a devastating superweapon known as War World, and uh, they housed the key to run the whole shebang. So this glass tuning fork thing that Superman is, oh, okay. is holding is that there, that is? that's the, that's the high-tech key to all of War World. It sucked. I, I'll be quite honest, but you know, the whole thing? no, I loved it. But you know, I mean, just the design of the key. Oh, I mean, yeah. you see, I mean, these are this is the same generation that gave us things like you know the Infinity Gems, the uh, Serpent Crown, the I Cosmic think the Cube. Gems weren't not not. I'm not talking about just Jim Starlin. I'm talking about just you know the generation that created oh, these okay. things. Okay, I see what you're saying. So. You know, and the best they could come up with is kind of a square-shaped U on a stick. I mean, honestly, if you can look at the graphic content logo that I drew up on the board five minutes before the cast, I think I could have drawn this thing. Uh, definitely, definitely. But, but he gave us Mongol, which is definitely one of the more powerful villains in the DCU. So we go from Superman, Martian Manhunter to Superman, Supergirl taking on Warworld. And Supergirl had the uh, Superman and Supergirl had this great battle plan. So Superman was going to distract Mongol, and while he was doing that, Supergirl was going to fly really far away and then attack Warworld at light speed, crashing into it at light speed. Which, 
Wouldn't that like crack the planet in half and that kind of stuff? It, it would. It, it it would. It's the universal equivalent of dogs and cats living together, total anarchy. I mean, it's supposed to rip the space time continuum if you do okay. that. Anyway, Jim Starlin, I think, read you know a couple of paragraphs from a physics book and thought, "Hey, this sounds like a pretty dope way to destroy a a planet sized super weapon." Well, things went awry and Supergirl disappeared after the fight, and so did Mongol. So Superman went on a quest to go find Supergirl and was break. That was where the story got really memorable for me because this is my favorite issue out of the bunch, and that's the Superman and the Spectre. Uh, from issue number twenty nine. Is that where he sends? Uh, where he sends? Uh, super. He just gives back Supergirl to Superman. Yeah, in okay. the end. So, and then things. You know, Jim Starlin's still doing the book, but there's this thing that you know Mongol is out there, and he's now one of the most terrible villains in the entirety of the DC universe. I mean, the New Gods were. They were around, but they weren't being used a lot at the time. So Mongol kind of replaced Darkseid in they a way. They weren't really part of the the entire. I'm trying to figure out what to say. The entire uh, inner workings of the DCU. They hadn't been fully integrated yet. Exactly. Exactly. It had been many years. Uh, it would be many years since when that happens. So. Flash forward about oh seven issues to number thirty six where Superman teams up with the Steve Ditko Starman, which uh, shared adventure comics with Aquaman. Uh, okay. And that was, and there was some really cool... Wait, that was the Steve Ditko Starman? Yeah, this was, but uh, Jim Starlin redesigned the costume. That's what I was going to say, because I, I thought it was the red and the It was red and, and yellow, but for the, in, this was the debut of his all-blue unitard-looking okay. thing. So, anyway... Booster gold outfit? Kind of booster-ish. I'll tell you what it was. It, it it was very reminiscent of Captain Marvel uh, from Jim Starlin's wonderful run on that title over across the street back in the day. Look, these are do they hold up as well in the twenty? That 20- was my big question. You know, do they hold up as well in the twenty first century as they they do in the twentieth century? Not really. I I look. These books are fantastic, but. I mean, they they ask you to make some great leaps of faith as a reader to uh, to overcome some of the deficits of in the story, but to actually have my hands on these comics as a nostalgia piece for what it was like for me as a kid reading those comics and how it lit up my imagination. I mean, Supergirl going so fast she flew herself into heaven. I mean, that <laughs> shit is just fucking nuts yeah so you know i just love those comics i wanted to show them off a little bit because i was able to pick them all up on ebay in the span of about a half an hour it was nice. it was fantastic and all those sellers uh jay mason jr 1969 is me uh if you look if you see us uh call us out here in the uh, chat room and we'll, i'll give your uh store a shout out so anyway that's anyway. that was the thing I wanted to talk about just because I was so happy to actually get those books. Understandable. A- and it's kind of a thing for me right now. But we're here for a reason. Um, a very specific one. A very specific reason. And that reason is to debate whether or not Man of Steel was a good movie. Now, I, I think the internet might explode with me even uttering the, those words into it, Adam. The internet hasn't exploded, and Donald Trump has a Twitter account, 
We're going to be fine. <laughs> I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. This will be more like one of those third world civil wars that, that very rarely gets covered on television. You mean the ones they just send Superman to stop in the comics? In the comics, but, you know, wish we, yeah. we only wish we could have Superman right now. Um, this has been something that's been building, I think, since really Adam and I first got to doing our podcast oh, early sorry. on. Manny says he just met our friend Manny Gomez. Manny who, Gomez. Who uh, I got your shoes, by the way. Well, they're my shoes for you to draw on. Um, he also said he picked those up on his iPad. Nice. Nice. So they are available on Comixology. So if you don't want the wonderful artwork of Jim Starlin in the palm of your hands, you can definitely get it on Comixology. Another good, re- another good thing about Comixology, oh, really. I love them. So anyway... Um, We've been talking about Man of Steel, talking past each other about Man of Steel. Yeah. You know, sort of like how two rival gang members passing each other on the street, one on one side, one on the other. They just kind of sit by and go, sup. <laughs> you know? Well, when he and when when you initially said, like, we're gonna debate this, I was expecting like two or three other people. Yeah. And I surprised Adam by just saying, Hi, it's just me. So it's but I, I think that it's safe to say that 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 you are not a fan of Man of Steel. No, that's not true at all. Really? No, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that movie. Really? Yeah, I have been since I saw it in the theater. No shit. Yeah. Live television, everybody. Live television on the internet and the, on the palm of your hand. I think it was Manny who said that he wasn't a fan of this. That would not surprise me. But I, I want to talk about it. And, and look, one of our four viewers right now, if you have... Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, it's like it says five, it's but one of them. Uh, one's, yeah, so we can we can add and subtract. So yeah. we have four other people looking at us right now. The point is, is that okay, so I totally misread the situation, but hey, screw it. Here we are. We're gonna talk about the Man of Steel movie and why it deserves consideration then to be considered a decent superhero movie. Now, notice how I say it's not a superman movie. I would go one step further and say it is. Okay. We finally have a debate now. So I will, uh, why don't you talk about what you, we'll we'll do what we normally do. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. We'll sum up and then we'll give it a five, uh, a five point rating scale. What are we going to use? Cause that's kind of what I was thinking. I was, you want to do S shields? Shields would be good or house of L crests because it it mean how many how many hopes yeah. <laughs> i like that. that's what we're gonna go with how we're gonna many hopes? one out of five hopes oh wait a minute we're shaking the camera here the oh, high-tech graphic it. content studio i am yeah. so sorry about that i we can't give our people vertigo or no. motion sickness no. no uh we we gotta work on our our setup for this system i think yeah okay so man uh manny shit Adam. It's been a long work week, huh? God, it's been rough, let me tell you. Um, Adam, tell me, what did you like about Man of Steel? Gosh, I liked so much of it. Um, In fact, there was little that I I can't even think of stuff. Like, when we get to the dislikes, that's going to be hard for me. Yeah. Um, I really liked the story structure of it. I feel like starting out on Krypton... Um, and just going balls to the wall from the get-go was a smart move. Can I just stop you there for a second and ask, 
wouldn't it be great if they got Russell Crowe? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, to do a World of Krypton movie. Uh, no, fuck that. Put him in the TV show with uh, Adam Strange and Hawkgirl. Oh, okay. That, well, to play his own ancestor? Wh- fuck it. Why not? I mean, I'd be all about that. Oh, I'm just saying. I thought it was, I didn't realize it was going that, that far back. It was. It was oh, going to okay. be. It was going to be um, Superman's grandfather, or great grandfather. Okay. Well, yeah. Then put him in his own movie. I want. I want a Jor-El movie after watching that. I mean, yeah. Russell Crowe. He was. He was running. He was jumping. He was punching. He was flying on a on a on a Kryptonian dragon creature. I want to know more about the environment and all that shit. Like that was so cool to see him like jumping around on those dragons. Yeah, and, and then he was. Then he dove into the pool of water where the codex was kept, and the now, whole. The one thing that kind of threw me yeah. is why was it a black skull? Like that's one thing that they don't really explain, and why was it hidden there? Yeah, I mean, was it? Well, okay, this could be a thing that they, maybe they're saving up for Man of Steel too. Who the hell knows? But if I'm a writer, and I'm a really pissed poor one, but I'm just going to postulate. Okay. What if that black skull was a Brainiac unit? That would be a hell of a thing. You know, but they didn't have time to explain it, so snip. Yeah. You know, something along those lines. Um, The Black Skull was really odd for me, but I still dug it, you know, and the fact that, you know, here it was, here Krypton basically manufactures replacements for Kryptonians when they have expended their their lifespan. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I really enjoyed, yeah, that whole opening sequence I thought was really good. Um, I really liked how before shoot sorry guys i just knocked the camera um <laughs> before uh before they send kal-el off they have the moment of we're about to send off our kid into earth and laura is just like give me a second while yeah. i process this and i thought that's really good i can't even imagine what that would be like right like i mean neither of us have children no. so you know, if if you have kids and you're watching this show, we would love to hear um, from the uh, chat feed what you would do in that situation. If you had could create like a mini interstellar spaceship, you know, and you could put your children in it, you know, what would that be like for you? I mean, that would be an interesting thing for us That'd to be, hear back. Uh, yeah, it was heart wrenching for them, and, and I, it's heart wrenching for us to watch because I thought it was so well acted in that piece. Absolutely. And uh, the, shout out to Ayelet Zorhur was the name of the actress. I'm the sorry fuck? if I'm butchering her, butchering her name. Um, I think she's German, or I don't know, but uh, she was the actress who played Vanessa in Daredevil. The Kingpin's uh, girlfriend. Yeah, I'm like digging through my data banks and like, because I watched that movie today. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I don't see it, which says that's a really good job on their part. Yeah. it. I mean, costume, makeup, the whole thing was yeah. just wonderful. So anyway, so World of Krypton. So yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed the, I felt like this Superman, this movie was the most human Superman movie that has been out there, of course. And then it's also one of the most human takes on Superman, I feel like. Yeah. Um, it was something that was relatable to me, where I would s- you would see him in spots talking to his dad. Do I save talking the Talking to, to uh, Jonathan Kent. Yes, talk, yeah, sorry. Talking to Jonathan Kent. Um, and Jonathan Kent going, I don't know. I've never been in this situation. And him having to... Uh, figure out if the the 
the lives of few are worth the lives of greater and realizing the consequences it would have if, if people found out about his, his son. Yeah. You um, know, what would that mean for his son, whom he loved, who he found out in that Kansas farm, that, yeah. that, that cornfield or wherever he crashed? Um, that's, that touches on a point that I wanted to bring up was the fact that I so enjoyed Kevin Costner's performance as Jonathan Kent in that film that it it defies meaning. Um, Morris Mason says that uh, Ilette is an Israeli name. Oh, excuse me. She is an Israeli. Another wonderful Israeli actress. That's two yeah. for the DCU. Okay. Well, Laura, thank you very much for shouting that out. Um, going back to Kevin Costner, first of all, I love Kevin Costner when he's trying to be American. He is a lousy British person, as Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, proven. Okay. Okay? He is yeah. a lousy... I mean, he moved between a Kansas and a British accent, I think, about 18 times through the course of that film. So uh, he learned his lesson and then went to make great movies like Dances with Wolves or another, you know, The Untouchables, uh, um, no way out. Yeah. Didn't he do Field of Dreams? Field of Dreams, another great movie. I also really, he was in this great little Western that he did um, called Open Range with um, Robert Duvall that I found just wonderful. And he is, to me, one of those quintessential middle American char character actors. Um, you know, age has been very kind to Kevin Costner. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more with that. I, I want to look that good when I turn 60-something years old, which is, for me, I'm a That's lot closer a to... For you, Shut up. <laughs> you see what I... Now you can see what I actually have to deal with with this clown. Um, but the fact is that I thought that Kevin Costner played Jonathan Kent as a man of great morals, a man of great ethics, as a strong man, when his son was being bullied and could have easily heat visioned them all to bone, uh, <laughs> he was they, the. They stress in that in in that scene in the one scene with the uh, the football team. You got to be on your microphone, Sorry. dude, because this they, is going to suck for the podcast. Um. So they show uh, on on the scene with the the football people where he is just kind of looking at them and he squeezes the the pole next to him that's yeah. holding up a fence. Yes. That so. that that very subtle look at it. But Jonathan Kent helped mold him emotionally and helped mold him and gave him a sense of moral center that served him well later in the film. And I just I I could not imagine that movie being done without without Kevin Costner as Jonathan Kent. Now, to be fair, for a second, there have been other people who have played Jonathan Kent before. Um, there was the guy from the Dukes of Hazard. I thought he was really good. He was in the sp in the space of a television show where they were telling a serialized story from episode to episode over many seasons. John Schneider was fantastic um, to the point when his character died. Um, I would think it was season seven or season eight. It was towards the end of the run of the series. I didn't stick around that long. Yeah, I had to. I had to watch it all the way through. I just couldn't stop. What's wrong with you? The Legion of Superheroes. Again, what's wrong with you? Cyborg, Aquaman. No. 
I, I couldn't no. help myself. I mean, that was the only stuff we were getting at the time. That's the reason I stopped watching that crap. <laughs> is because I dropped off when they introduced uh, Walt, or Bart West, and I said... That, that was pretty bad. I was like, that, that was makes pretty no bad. goddamn sense. I'm out. Justin Hurtley at Green Arrow was pretty decent. I, I didn't pay attention. Okay. Well, maybe we shouldn't talk about Smallville yeah. then. But I, I, and then Glenn Ford in the original Superman, the movie by Richard Donner, um, he played a, I mean, the classic American dad slash granddad in that film. Yeah. But each one of those actors who played Superman's adoptive Earth father, I feel it was necessary for each of them to bring something different to it where Glenn Ford was all about that, you know, end of an era kind of manly man kind of swagger, you know, that, you know, it's like, I don't want to talk about my feelings. I just want to go fix the tractor kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of talk to the John Schneider of the Smallville series. We got post-World War II and then post-Vietnam. Exactly. Exactly. So you had, you had Greatest Generation, you had Baby Boomer, and... This one was probably best say said as like late baby boomer, early Gen X. I'd say late baby boomer. Yeah, for sure. very late baby boomer. With that, Kevin Costner was a man who was also conflicted because he knew that him and Ma Kent uh, were not this boy's real parents, that he understood that the world fears things that the world fears what they don't understand. That's a quote straight from the movie, I just realized. And even though his son was bulletproof, didn't need to breathe for hours, if not days at a time, <laughs> probably doesn't need to eat except to, to be in sunlight, um, he wanted to protect him against the slings and arrows of emotional damage. He wanted to protect his son from human outrage. He wanted to protect his son from what he knew was the worst in humanity, which is fear, I thought. Yeah, and the, the one thing that, that harkened throughout the movie, I felt like, was timing. That was kind of the theme of the movie, of when is it time to fight, when is it time to, to do things. Um, Jonathan Kent died in the tornado because right. he felt it was not time for Clark to quote-unquote debut yet. Right, and he accepted that he was not always going to be there for that. Uh, I had a friend of mine who was just like, "Well, he died for a dog," and it's like, "No, he didn't die for a dog. Yes, he rescued the dog, but he was there." Uh, That's what put him in that position. Yeah, he was there, and it put Clark in that position yeah, as well. And he was there to do the right thing, even at the end, even if it was rescuing a dog. He was there to do the right thing, and. That's what he wanted to show Clark as his last moments was it's time. To, when is it time to come out and use your powers? When is it time to do the right thing? Um, is exposing your identity and risking all the loved ones around you a good enough reason to do that? And Clark could have saved him just like that. And but, while there but, was the tornado, it would have been an emotional tornado that that left wreckage should he have used that to save his And his really father. it's what sent him on his his vision quest to see the world, to you know, work in honky tonk bars and on oil rigs and 
in the Arctic carrying luggage for really hot reporters. And um, I actually, from that, got that he was searching for the scout vessel. Do you, did you get that? Because I, I that was, was going to be one of the things that that I, I you know, maybe I'm going to save it for a little bit later. And I, I think a, a more deft storyteller could have expressed that a little bit better. But but anyway, I mean, it, it was very much a story that we've seen told in the comics, like Superman Birthright, which I think was Kurt Busiek. No, that no, was Mark Mark Wade, Wade. and Lingu. And what was the one? Kurt Busiek did a story. Uh, Secret Identity. Secret Identity. So. See, this is why I keep Adam around, guys. He knows stuff. I have m- terrible memory when it comes to everything else. But comics? But comics, I'm the database. He's my comic book walking, talking, living, breathing comic book DB. Uh, somewhat, somewhat. Yeah, enough. You yeah. keep me out of most trouble. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so anyway, um, what was something else that you liked about the film? Um, I really enjoyed the... The action in it was phenomenal. Oh my god! It yes. was balls to the wall. I mean, I've already said that, but it was—that's the only term I know to use with as much action as there was. It was—it was the amount of of damage that was going on. Um, was because of just two Kryptonians fighting. And at times, well, there then there was the Smallville fight scene where it was yeah. two Kryptonians versus another Kryptonian. Yeah, you know, yeah. there there were multiples at times. So, um, I truly feel that. Uh, sorry, my computer just belched in my earphones oh, right nice. here. That was really fun. So I'm just going to say later, Gator. Um, I really felt that Superman. He's faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive can leap tall buildings in a single bound. And in this movie, he could actually fly. Um, I love the little homage to that, where yes. he's trying to figure out how, and he's in the Antarctic trying to figure out how to fly right. exactly. And he does the leaping tall buildings and then eats it on the mountain. Right. I would have, I thought I, I personally would have liked the whole, if they were just leaping for throughout the movie, maybe he flew at the end, but that's just a quibble. Um, one of the things that I, I just thought that that really took my breath away with this movie was the speed that these characters moved at. How Superman, General Zod, Feora, um, I can't remember the, the male henchman's uh, name, but uh, quote yeah, me I, that one. I I, don't, yeah, yeah I don't he know. doesn't have it. It's a movie. I just assume it's non. Yeah, well, it, non-like guy. Well, who could talk? Anyway, yeah. the point that I'm trying to make is this, is that... Um, the speed was almost incomprehensible that these fights took place. And when it got into, whether it was the small um, rural town of Smallville, Kansas, being laid waste to between a fight, essentially between three people, or if it was the one-on-one destruction of Zod versus Superman, uh, which served as the preface for Batman v Superman, which is a whole other discussion that Adam and I have to have. Not going there. Not going there. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but that the devastation of two superhumans going at each other at full tilt had never really been seen before. And yes, I know that there is this contingent of people that are out there and and I agree with you to a point that Superman would never allow 
for thousands, if not hundreds, tens or hundreds of thousands of people to have their lives be at risk, to be, have their lives in jeopardy. I agree that Superman wouldn't do that. That's why I stipulate that I don't think this was a Superman movie. And, and this is a conversation I wanted to have with you for the okay. longest time. I mean, we, we, okay. we've been teasing this with each other for a year now. Never once until the, the final few minutes of the film do they refer to him as Superman. And when they, it, earlier... Yeah, it's in the we, middle of the battle where uh, the general comes in and says, they have Superman in tow, and he just kind of looks at the guy that's telling him that the, it, while they're in the control room. He's going, Superman. And he goes, yeah, that's what they're calling him. Yeah, and I don't, I think that's what, that's where the genesis of the name came from, but I still don't think he was Superman yet. Okay. Um, I, I feel like that was explained where Lois asked, what is the S on your chest for? And he says, it's not an S. It's a Kryptonian symbol for hope. And that's when I realized that if there is no S, there is no Superman yet. That's just the philosophical thing on my part. And if you think about it, what did he do in, in, in the Smallville fight? One of them had the audacity to touch his mother. Oh, and he just hauled off. He just he just went absolute ape shit. And him going absolute ape shit, I would venture a guess, destroyed half the town of Smallville. At I mean, the same <laughs> time, I I know he I feel like I don't know. I feel like he took into account that everybody was hiding and that a lot of places were He was guessing. He was guessing. But I, I, I feel what you're saying. Yeah. I am I'm agreeing with you. But, and, and I don't think that Zack Snyder was being callous when he was filming that. And, and people remember also, a lot of people give Zack Snyder, who are against Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, a lot of people forget that Zack Snyder didn't write the story. It was David S. Goyer with Christopher Nolan. So, yeah, I, I it, some of this has to go back to the screenwriters too, in, in not giving the, the director the material. To work with as well. Yeah, I feel like for a lot of the fight scenes, Superman was more following what was going on as opposed to right. trying to. He was being him. reactive. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of that is a he's just now becoming Superman, so there's a lot of learning going on, and this is his first big fight. Exactly, and that's why I'm saying he just he's not that Superman who puts himself before others yet. I mean. The, this this I forget what the Everything guy's name he did is, but was putting himself before others. Well, okay, maybe maybe I'm understating it or overstating it, but the point is is that he was acting out of this primal urge because if if when my mom was around, if somebody were to touch my mom, I'm sorry, I would go into strict beast mode at that point. And that guy would be wiped from the face of this earth. And that goes into the hum human aspect. The, exactly. How human he was raised. Yeah. You know, it, sure, his physiology and his DNA, all that shit, he was not human at all. But he was human here where it counted. It was, he was human in his, in his heart. And this bastard from another planet had the audacity to touch his mother. No, beast mode time. He's going to punch, he's going to heat vision, he's going to kick them. <laughs> you know? I was actually surprised that, that they didn't just snap her neck whenever they got what they wanted. It was amazing, you know, and I'm, I'm so glad that they didn't do that, because that, oh, to me... Yeah, I would have been really bummed if they'd have done that. Because, first of all, Diane Lane is a fantastic actor. 
I, I love her, her body of work. I think that to, to lose her that early would have been terrible, especially, especially in that way. To be fair, if they had done that, looking back in hindsight, mm-hmm. I would have been okay with that because then Superman versus Batman would have been a completely different movie. It, well, yeah, but then I probably wouldn't have wanted to go see it in the first place. You know, I wanted a Superman who was as much as much as he was Jor-El's son, I wanted him to be as if not more Jonathan Kent's son, where he understood that there's a need for restraint, that he understood that there was a need to be kind, and he understood that there was there was a point of no return. And that even somebody with at least in this film, I was, you know, implied as unlimited power. Um, yeah. that there's still still a limit on your soul before you lose your, before you lose that piece of you. And that's why I, I, I again, I totally understand how I felt a belch coming, but I, I pulled back. Is that the, what that that's, was? That's I what that was. stomach going. You're not gonna, I, you're, I heard it. Chances are you're not going to hear it on the internet. You're going to hear it because my microphone was pointed right at the point. Yeah, I heard. I was like, there are some body things going on there. I don't know what they are. I'm so embarrassed. That is the worst. I can't edit this out. This this shit's all live, everybody. Yeah. But the point I'm trying to make is is that I felt like this, that Clark Kent, Kal-El, that we got throughout the movie, throughout even the third reel, where him and Zod were just duking it out, and they torched the Wayne Enterprises building, and you know, Among, amongst other among, things, amongst other things, you know, they they tore down probably the most the majority of the financial district of of Metropolis. That he was he was ready for it to be done at that point. I mean, he had already endured an unimaginable challenge of of taking the 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 what did they call that thing in the South Indian Sea, uh, the, the the world engine, the world engine. You know, he'd taken a Beating from the the, the gravity um, uh, pummeling of the world engine, and then he flies to Metropolis to take on Zod and his his people, and that is just an exercise in the kind of knockdown drag out um, battles that Superman would have in the comics with people on equal power levels, people like Mongol from the comics that I just pointed out at the top of this podcast. People like Darkseid that you've seen in his uh, "People Are Made of Paper" uh, monologue from Justice League, uh, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited. The fir- I mean, the thing that I always go back to because it made such a big imprint on me as a kid is uh, the death of Superman and fighting yep. uh, Doomsday, and and that w- the splash page where they throw that last punch at each other and it shatters all the windows of the Daily Planet. It's exactly. Exactly. And it's sad and it's terrible that that when there are these superhuman battles that take place, that people lose their lives. It was always off panel. It was always never explained in the comics. And and essentially they would say, oh, Superman would drag them to um, a low rent area, you know, of Metropolis or he'd go battle them in space or or in Tibet, he, he'd or do the one-panel blur of saving a, 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 saving a group of people and putting them someplace else. Exactly, and it wasn't about that. It was about taking care of these people who threatened his family, 
It's about taking these people who threatened his city. It was about taking care of these people that were threatening him. And he had to learn what the limits of his power were in this. And yes, I think it's terrible to, to consider all the, the, the people in Metropolis who lost their lives, just like I think it was just, just as terrible to think about all of the background characters that lost their lives in the first Avengers movie. And yeah. the second Avengers movie, for that oh, for that matter, that whole island of uh, well, it, which yeah, you know, or or Slokovia, or yeah. uh, um, you know, the the fight in what was it, Korea, South Korea, and you know, along the highway, they had the fight with the Ultrons. Uh, it's been a while. Since it, okay, seen, so anyway, long. We're not going to get to that. So, look, I just feel like that the body count, if if there was a true body count. Um, it would be approximately equal between Avengers and Man of Steel. Absolutely. That's just, that's just my feeling, and that doesn't make it right. But what I think it did was, between the Metropolis fight and the ending of that film, where, it, yeah, it was, it was slightly staged, and I think it was done in a kind of a ham, filmed in kind of a ham-fisted way. Really? Where Superman had to snap Zod's neck. You know, like he couldn't put him in a Kryptonian sleeper hold or something, yeah, you know, and send him yeah. back into the Phantom Zone. Um, I, I just hate it. That's the one thing about superhero movies, which kind of gets my goat a little bit, is that the supervillain never survives the end of the movie. Um, it's just... That, the, well, I mean, you got Scarecrow surviving at the end of Batman Begins and all that. Well, and and that was a realistic take on Batman, and that was him not wanting to be a killer like the killer that tore his family apart. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole different I was a, Batman. I was it, okay. That's not the proper uh, universe. This is not the Batman of the DT extended <laughs> universe. Um, hello. Uh, I was okay with him snapping Zod's neck just simply because I felt like it was a great way to illustrate it, that Batman... Fucking, you got me thrown <laughs> off with the Batman <laughs> shit. That, that Superman... Pray to me. Uh, that that Superman, there was a logical reason behind why Superman doesn't kill. It's because he's felt it, and he, it was fucking horrible. Right, and and uh, that's the part that I I can agree with. I, I wish that they would have kept Zod because Michael Shannon is such a marvelous actor. Yeah, he was really good in it. I just saw Midnight Special. I missed it when it was in theaters. You have to see Midnight Special if you haven't. I don't even seen know what that is. Just. Just watch it. Okay. You you will thank me later. All right. Watch Midnight Special Internet. I promise you, you will like this film. Anyway, I just think Michael Shannon is a real treat to watch act. And I would have loved to have seen him in like a Man of Steel 3, where it was like him and Lex Luthor and a bunch of guys form the Revenge Squad. That, that would have been fucking dope. Right? Yeah. You know, so look, we didn't get that. We got Batman versus Superman instead. Don't say it, Adam. That's a whole different podcast, okay? So, I don't think I'm going to be a part of that one. That's one I'm just not even going to be a part I, of. I think. I, I think I'm going to try and twist your arm into it. Fuck. I hope not. I'll bring cake. All right. Okay, so there we go. All right. <laughs> so, so while I, I don't necessarily like the choice of ending Zod, I, I understand what, what they were doing, what they were going at, and that they wanted to take Clark on that journey through causing mass destruction with his powers to taking a life. And I feel that after we see him come back to life in Justice League, 
look, spoiler alert, he dies at the end of Batman versus Superman. Um, he's going to come back to life because, well, he's Superman and that's what he does. What's hilarious is that movie had been in theaters for like two months, Batman versus Superman. Yeah. The first time I, I saw it, the day it came out, and by saw it, I mean... Same I, here. I watched the first hour and then <laughs> fell asleep and then woke up somewhere and was just like, oh, fuck this, I'm going to leave. Oh, uh, my God. And, um, you know, then I watched it about two months after it had been in theaters, three months, something like that. Yeah. And I still did not know that Superman died at the end. Oh, wow. Somehow that had been kept from me. But you did get that later. Like, I didn't just spoil it for no, you right no, now. No. Okay, because I'd feel like a total shitheel if I did that. No, as I said, I watched it about two months, three months again okay. after it came out. Uh, okay. And that's when I, and I was surprised that I didn't find that out, you know. That's weird. Sooner. Yeah, I was just like, and by that time, I, I'll get to a point in, in a movie where I just say, fuck it, let's go with whatever bullshit you're going to go with, and let's see how yeah. how hard we can ride this train off the rails. Right. So when they did that, I was like, wow, they're riding it off the rails pretty hard. Yeah, well, you know, we pretty much saw it coming, you know, thanks to the trailers they released on... Uh, I was so annoyed whenever I found out about it. Oh, that was the worst. As a fan of trailers, I know you're not a fan of trailers, no. but as a personal fan of trailers... Trailers are best when they're a tease. You know, give give me some shots that don't that don't go with each other. Give me these flash images of the characters and what I'm going to see. That's why I like the Last Jedi trailer so much. Um, oh, okay. And I, it took me a second. I was yeah. Like, what are you talking about? I'm, well, I'm just comparing trailers here. Yeah. Where don't tell me the story. Just show me a bit of the action. Show me the lightsaber igniting. Show me Superman firing his heat vision. Watch Wonder Woman. You know, clang her wrist, her wrist armor together. You know, and yeah. and crap like that. That's the stuff I want to see. Um, I think the Justice League trailers that I've seen come out recently are much better. Yeah, they and look pretty good. They don't tell the story. We still haven't seen Steppenwolf's face yet. Um, I think that they're definitely holding that back, learning their lesson from BBS. But we are now on one of our famous divergences. Yes. So, going back to the killing of Zod, I'm totally fine with it. But I wish they hadn't, just because I like because I'm selfish and I would have loved to have seen Michael Shannon okay, in a that, future movie. That's, so <laughs> that's fair enough. The one thing that really allowed me to sit back and watch this movie mm -hmm. is that this that I didn't have to put all my expectations and what I thought Superman should be or who is you know have they got the core of Superman? Like this is an alternate universe. This is an alternate universe. This is not the main Superman of the DCU. Um, so it's a completely different character. And for me, I had no problem with the character arc that they were going with uh, because this wasn't the uh, quintessential Superman. This was exactly this was an alternate, just like Red Sun uh, in the comics was an alternate take on that. For those who are not familiar, Red Sun is a story by Mark Miller who created the comics that such movies as Kingsman, The Golden Circle, which is Kick coming ass. out, Kick-Ass, Nemesis, Marvel Civil War, Don't Say It, I Know You Hate It. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just reread that, oddly enough. I, I, that's why I was bringing it oh, up. okay. But Mark Miller uh, is this famous in comic book circles comic book writer, and uh, he wrote that. Who did the art on that? I'm blanking. Uh, Dave Johnson Dave started Johnson. it, oh. and then Killian Plunkett. Right finished it who's now working on the as art director for star wars rebels oh awesome yeah so um anyway 
Red Sun is the story of what happen, What would happen if instead of a cornfield in Kansas that Superman had crash-landed in a wheat field in the Soviet Union. And it was a fantastic story in how the, 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 how the raising of Superman shaped the, 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 the history of the world so much. It was, if, if you were interested in comics that don't follow a certain kind of rhythm that, that this was one of the more experimental Elseworlds titles, oh, I thought. Absolutely. Well, and I'm looking here, uh, we in our high-tech graphic content studios yes. have a stack of trade paperbacks <laughs> that is holding up our camera, <laughs> and the t- at the top of it is JSA The Liberty Files, which was another excellent take on Superman, yes. where it turns out instead of, uh, instead of Clark Kent, shit, this is a spoiler, <laughs> this is going to be a big spoiler er, if you've Spoiler not alert, that. spoiler this alert. Came, this came out about... 15 years ago, so... Long time. I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, but it turns out that Superman is actually Zod and that he had been sent to... He had decided he was going to rule Earth. Yes. Um, so, and, and Batman and Our Man and... Dr. Midnight. Doctor, and it was Dr. like... Midnight. it was, And they were... It was weird because Batman was called the Bat. Dr. Midnight was called the Owl. Our man was called the clock. Yeah. You know, they had very basic code names. And it was very it was very pulp. Yes. So I mean, Superman's one of those characters that you can play around with. Another good example is Gods and Monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the JLA direct oh, video. So good. So Bruce Tim's probably some of his best animated oh, work. By far. Much and better than Batman Harley Quinn. Please tune into episode thirty of the graphic po- content podcast. Yes, uh you just throwing me off with all the <laughs> like. I'm trying to be like I enjoyed this movie, and then just bullshit. I just bad yeah. Uh, so so tell you what, I think that look, we we both make a case for why we like this movie, um, and and look, there were some 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 wonderful actors that were in the movie besides Kevin Costner and Michael oh, Shannon, Lawrence Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne is Perry Adams. Wright, Amy Adams is Lois Lane. Henry Cavill, who I don't think gets enough credit as I, Superman. I can't agree more with you on that. I, I found that I really liked him in Guy Ritchie's The Man from Uncle. Have you ever watched that? I wanted to, but I've not had a chance yet. Fun movie. Not the best movie you'll ever watch, but I mean, there are worse ways to spend a Saturday afternoon, I think. Um, then there were these great little performances. Um, Henry Lennox, uh, who you might remember from The Blacklist or uh, as one of the generals in the Matrix movies. Uh, he played General Swanwick, which is uh, is he uh, the doctor that? No, took he was the, the general. From he was the African American general. Oh, okay, okay. I thought he was the Kryptonian guy that took blood. No, Superman. The one, I, the the Werner Herzog looking dude. <laughs> I would now take yeah. your Kryptonian blood with this Kryptonian needle, Superman. Um, then they had Christopher Maloney from Law and Order uh, his, SVU. His performance was fantastic. As uh, I brought it up here on IMDb, his character's name was Colonel Nathan Han- Nathan Hardy. I almost said Nathan Handy, like Jack Handy. <laughs> That's what I get when I ro- look out the wrong lens. But he was Colonel Nathan Hardy, but his call sign was Guardian, which was an Easter egg for comic book nice. fans because he's another hero in Metropolis. And Richard Schiff, who is one of the most... 
I, I'm sorry. He's just one of the best character actors. I loved him on The West Wing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. He playing was Toby. He was mm-hmm. the communications guy. And he played Dr. Emil Hamilton in this. That was a really cool Easter egg that I, I enjoyed a lot. And they sacrificed themselves for humanity as well. Yep. Either that or they're alive in the Phantom Zone. That would be an interesting oh. thing to, to see. That's that's a free beat for you, Warner Brothers. Get on that, okay? You can bring those characters <laughs> back. Yeah. With superpowers. Um, so look, uh, we've been batting the shit around and then going on divergences and, you know, stream of consciousness are, as we normally do. What are some of the things you disliked about the movie? Okay. So I'm going to be specific about one thing and then general about some other okay. stuff. So I'm going to be very specific. Um, they, the, the specific thing that I, I did not care for was the fact that Superman was analogous to Jesus Christ in this film, um, that they had turned him into the second coming. Okay. Check this out. Adam. He was 33 years old. Okay. Okay. Uh, he, you know, he was, came from the stars, you know, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. Ma Kent didn't give birth to him, yeah. but, but. He was essentially sent by God. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that when he's talking to the hologram of the 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 Kryptonian artificial intelligence, which was also played as if he was uh, as uh, by uh, why can't I think Russell Crowe? Yeah, I was going to say Russell as, Crowe as, as an image of Jor El. Uh, when he floats out of the Kryptonian starship, he's floating like he's being crucified on the cross. I mean, you know, and then then his conversation with the with the the, uh, priest. the priest, I I just thought it's like okay, I get it. Superman is a savior. Superman often in the comics martyrs himself. I mean, he martyred himself in battle against Doomsday, uh, in the comics. You know, he is a guy who martyred himself in fucking Batman versus Superman. Yeah. I get this. I get. You know, I understand these character vast power, and he's this messianic figure and all that. I, I just thought it was a little heavy-handed. You know, he didn't need to be thirty-three years old. He didn't need to float out of the starship. You know, with his arms wide open. Like, okay. You know, I, I I I got it. I get the fact that Superman is already a Christ-like figure, um, even though in the film, which which to me negatively contrasted with how he was on this emotional journey as well. You can't be Jesus, who was this perfect Zen Buddha type figure. Look, I'm not going to get into a religious argument with people. I'm not bringing it up for that, okay? Well, then that goes into what your interpretation of Jesus is. Okay, fair enough. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is, is that, okay, and I don't believe in militant combat conservative Jesus, okay? So, yeah, you I'm know, with you on that. I one. I'm I'm of the guy, you know, the only time Jesus ever kicked ass was to get the money changers out of the temple. Okay, that that's my Jesus. Um so I already get the Jesus or the the the, the messianic references with Superman. I didn't need it shoved down my throat from from the imagery that was presented in the film. I can understand that taking you out of the movie for sure. It it just did and and I tried, but I mean, I remember sitting there with my wife and friends going, oh God, as he's floating out of it and he's, it yeah. looks like he's nailed to a cross. I'm like, come on, you know, that just really hit me as something that, that couldn't he have been like, I'm going to go save the earth now, dad, whoosh, and he's gone. You know, it couldn't have been something like that where he showed that he was taking it, taking, taking action 
versus taking in the last few minutes of his Kryptonian biological father, who it was just a ghost of him, basically. Yeah. I, I it just it, it it just hit me. That just really rubbed me raw. So okay. So that was one bit of it, and then there were there were other parts of 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 the film where. I don't think they spent enough time explaining the kind of journey that he was on before he wound up uh, coming back as Superman. I, That's I w- understandable as I, well. I would have loved a scene with him and Ma Kent at, at the beginning of his journey or them flashing back to it at least, which they could have done just as easily. Yeah, they, did, they showed they can do that pretty well. Right, and they were moving back and forward, and I, I thought the editing of the film was really well done. Absolutely. Um, I just felt that, that it could have been impactful if right after the tornado and burying his dad, um, whether it was that afternoon or a month later or whatever, that he would have sat down and said to Ma Kent, I need to find out who I am. I have this feeling that there's something more to me somewhere else in the world. I need to see the world. I need to do this. I, I would have loved to have seen that that conversation take place because, Instead again... Instead of make, having to make assumptions to exactly. connect the story points to yourself. Okay, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Just And also because I really like Diane Lane. And I think Diane Lane is an actor who could have been given more spotlight in this film. So again, being selfish, I love Michael Shannon. <laughs> yeah. I also love Diane Lane. I think she's phenomenal and I think she can do a lot. And, um, it would have been nice if she was allowed to do more in that film. So that's that, those are my two bigger things. I would have liked to have seen something that, that explained to us a little bit better about what Clark was hoping to get out of that vision quest. Was he hoping to find other Kryptonian, uh, evidence of Kryptonian. Well, um, he was looking to find his father. Is well, what I got out of that. Okay, find, but he wasn't going to find, find out his answers f- of who he was. Okay, but I mean, wouldn't his parents? I mean, and they didn't even have. You know, it's like he showed them the spaceship. Like John Kent showed him the spaceship, right? Yeah. That he came on. They went into the the bunker inside the barn, and he pulled the tarp off and said, "This is where you come from, son." I mean, wouldn't you look up and say, "How am I going to get up there?" You know, wouldn't that be a, you know, and again, that's that's pointing to a not so good Superman movie, Superman Returns with Brandon Routh, where, yeah, it sends shivers up the spine, despite some great performances in that film. Um, I just that's not what I was looking for. You know, I I wanted to see that human thing of I would have enjoyed seeing Superman say, I need to know what my place in the world is, mom. I need to find this out. This is why I'm leaving you in this time of grief. Okay, I can understand that. That because I I couldn't imagine you know leaving my mom and just taking off and not telling her where I'm at, you know, not telling her what I'm doing. I think it was an off camera thing that he did again, that, and that's just me. Yeah, and it, it might have been filmed. It might have been in the story. They might have cut it out because of time. That stuff happens, kids. But I would have enjoyed seeing something of that, something like that. So understandable. What about you? Uh, for me, it was, oddly enough, the same issue I had with Wonder Woman, and that was the CGI. Oh, yeah. Uh, and in this one, the CGI, the CGI just didn't age as well. Mm-hmm. There was a particular part at the beginning when uh, Michael Shannon as Zod is coming in with his Kryptonian uh, 
military and saying, you know, we're running the joint now, uh-huh. where he looked like he was made out of CGI. Well, the, all of their armors, yeah, all their suits of armor were CGI. And, I mean, it just... And it just looked... I mean, it just... It took me out of the movie to where I'm just like, this is just computers talking to each other. One of my favorite films of all time is John Borman's Excalibur. And I'm sorry, that guy put together... For, or he didn't do it. Borman didn't do it. But he had his his prop and costume departments put together dozens upon dozens of suits of Maximilian-style plate armor. Wow. Okay? They could have done something that was practical costuming that still... Look, I see people at, at comic conventions dressed as Zod, dressed as, as Kryptonians from Man of Steel... It ain't hard, so I don't understand yeah. the need to CGI those bits. Yeah, that was just—I just thought that is a really—I uh, understand the cape. You want the cape to flow a certain way. You want the cape to represent and almost to be a character in a way. Yeah, maybe not do- to that Doctor Strange level, but right. <laughs> you want the cape to represent something. So I understand why they chose to CGI Superman's cape for most of the movie. I just don't understand why you CGI static pieces of armor and equipment. That was just odd to me. Yeah, so that was kind of my major issue. The other thing I felt was just uh, Amy Adams as Lois Lane just running around figuring out Superman's identity and doing the backtracking and everything. And the fact that she just flew around everywhere and did it in what looked like a fairly short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, that took me out of it a little bit, and the fact that she figured out who Clark was. And I get that they had to show she's an ace reporter. Right. But just personally, I don't think that's how I would have done it. And I think that's just a personal thing. It didn't really... uh, I feel like it's a nitpick. Right. It would have been nice if Clark had at least the opportunity to reveal himself to Lois, just like the Clark in Richard Donner's Superman films... Um, had the opportunity to reveal himself to Lois. And that's a big moment that they missed out on. It, it, it's a huge moment. And yes, it was. I, I, I understand the decision as to why they did it the way they do it. I mean, look, how ridiculous is it that a guy can put on a pair of glasses and be totally different? Now watch this. Hey, how you Who doing? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> you see? But wait a minute. Watch this, Adam. Jim, where have you been? I've been here this whole time. What? There was just a person that took your spot. I'm I'm Jim and Jimmers. That's my secret identity. With all the M's? With all of them. Shit. I can also shapeshift my M's to look like one, three, or five at any time. Holy fuck, Isn't that fucking cool? I had no clue. (laughs) I've learned so much about you right now. Kids, we're just talking nonsense at this point. (laughs) Was there anything else that you just didn't care for in the film? Not really. I, I liked Amy Adams. You know, there I remember um, in a lot of the press leading up to it, oh, big controversy, Supergirl, ha- or Supergirl. Lo- that, okay, old man brain. Lois Lane has red hair. Well, look, for you guys who are out there on the internet still thinking that's something to complain about, I want you to think about this. In the George Reeves Superman TV series, which was first in black and white, and the last season or two was in color, Noel Neal, who played Lois Lane, had red hair. So there's precedent. If, so if it's fucking Johnny Storm can be Michael B. Jordan, then you can get the fuck over uh, red hair. Word. So that's that. We agree on something. But 
look, I, I like Amy Adams enough. I think I probably would have in, enjoyed somebody who, God, this sounds terrible. I like Amy Adams. I think she's a great actor. I think she has done done lots of good work in both dramas and comedies. But I would have liked to have seen somebody who had the look of somebody who's a little bit more world weary, somebody who looked like um, I'm 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 kind of joining your chorus here. As much as I like Amy Adams, I would have liked somebody who has seen the world and 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 was an army brat whatnot i didn't get so that wanted, feeling from you wanted more fleshing out of of lois than what yes, they gave us yes okay, that that's makes, what i'm trying to that's say understandable yeah I, I i'm agreeing with with your point there so well kids we've been talking about this for an hour and three minutes that's that's a long time that's, that's a, a long that's time like an hour and three minutes and that you know again we took a lot of forks in the road uh but i think we still found our way because all roads lead to rome and I think at this point... I we thought they led to cake. And cake. Okay. Rome has cake. I don't, I don't care what it's I don't called give a shi- it has I, cake. I don't give a shit about cake, but I like pie, and I know Rome has pie also. Yeah, that works too. Okay. So, Adam, final score for you. Uh, I give it three and a half uh, shields. Okay. And I'm just going to go a little bit above that. I'm going to say 3.75 uh, hope shields out of five. I think that the movie works as an introduction to Superman, but understand that if you have not seen this film and you're expecting a full court Superman experience, you are only going to get the origin story of Superman, which culminates at the very end of the movie. Yeah, and I liked at the end with, I felt like Superman was going into a lighter, like he'd been through the darkness, now he's moving into the light. Yeah, and then he went back into the and darkness. Then, oh my God! God, Batman versus Superman. But look, I'm really hopeful for Justice League. It's coming out in November, um, and we don't just look. He's coming back. Henry Cavill has already been listed as There's part a pop of the movie. Figure, God damn it! I mean, come on. They're doing the black suit rebirth of Superman thing. But hey, we also get more Batfleck. We get um, we get uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Gal Woman. Gal Gadot. It's another Wonder Woman joint. I mean, just look at the trailer. Ezra Miller is Flash. What they're doing with him, I feel like, is being shit on. And I. By much of the internet, let's be clear. Yes, by a lot of the internet that I've seen. And I am completely okay with this interpretation. Absolutely. From what I've seen. Look, first of all, um, Ezra Miller is a fantastic young actor. Uh, the second thing is, is that, yes, we also have another great Flash in Grant Gustin's Flash from the TV series. But you know what? They decided that they were going to keep their TV and film universes separate, which I think, if you have ever watched Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is mostly a good thing. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has gotten better in later years, but you can't tell me that those first two seasons weren't rough as shit. Well, you give yourself a lot more freedom when you separate those things. Right. And plus, you can line up a Crisis on Infinite Earths movie one day. Don't get ahead of yourself. I'm just, I can be hopeful. Fair It stands for hope. Fair enough. Look, if, if we live in a world where right there, no, that's your boob, Jim. Well, it's un- it's over my boob. Oh, okay. Anyway, so it's like an S nipple. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm going to punch you live on the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, I think it, it's a brave choice to do that. And then we get heavy metal Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. Jason uh, Momoa. Jason Momoa, who I can't wait to see surf parademons through buildings. What's hilarious is I've had people, as I've been in comic <laughs> shops, just be like, 
this is not any comic book interpretation of Aquaman. What the hell? And I was just like, yeah, that's right. And they're like, have they shifted Aquaman into being more like this? I said a little bit, but not a whole lot. Hell, it might be something that, that they will do over the course of years. Uh, I was a big fan of sort of Atlantis. Oh, that was with, a great with book. Kurt, Kurt Busiek. Yeah. Um, and that had a really good run. And I, I yeah. felt like that laid the very, very, very early seeds of yep. this. And it could have become that very easily, the the heavy metal Aquaman. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this interpretation of Aquaman is just as valid as any other. And it'll be... Uh, It'll be interesting to see because we get less variety when it comes to different interpretations of Aquaman. Well, there you go. So I, I cannot wait to see Momoa. I cannot wait to see um, uh, Killian Murphy as um, as Steppenwolf, or at least the CG Steppenwolf. I can't wait to see the return of some of our favorite Amazons. Um, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, the one who played Hippolyta. Connie Nielsen is coming back. Robin Wright, who played Antiope in Wonder Woman, the one who died. Yeah. Well, they're going to do a a flashback. A, a flashback oh, okay. To how they got the mother boxes to begin with, so we get more Robin Wright as Antiope. Dope. Message to Warner Brothers: If you ever get tired of Gal Gadot, I would watch an Antiope movie. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. I would I'd watch, watch that. that. Um. So they're gonna, they're really pulling together, and and look the CG on Cyborg looks better and better with every trailer that they do. That's probably a small gripe I have, is I feel like 90% of Cyborg is CG when I would like to actually have more human with my machine. Agreed. Uh, George, per- George Perez, Cyborg. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not as aged as that right. is now. But, but he, oh, it doesn't age well. And I'm a Titans right. fanboy right. for life. But look, I mean, DC wants an Iron Man and they've elected Cyborg. So he's it. So yes. there you go. Well, Adam, I got to say, this was fun doing this on Facebook Live. Um, I can definitely think of some things I wouldn't, would want to do differently. Yeah. <laughs> Just a couple. Like not shoot on my phone uh, on a shaky tripod yeah, on a stack of graphic it. novels. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, this is a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to look at new ways to deliver new content to you uh, in the future, whether it's continuing on Facebook Live or maybe actually getting our shit together on YouTube and doing that so that we can keep it preserved Instagram over there. Instagram Live is a great place we c- to be We can well. try, and maybe we can try some short reviews or something like that. Okay. We, we should learn to work in short form because I'm telling you, an hour and nine minutes about... One film with everything that we digress in, maybe we can learn some some mic discipline or something that maybe. way. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know either. One day. So, Adam, where can the kids find you online? As always, you can find me at Adam S. Messinger, M-E-S-S-I-N-G-E-R. Uh, Gmail, Twitter, uh, Facebook, you name it, I'm there. Okay, so uh, go ahead and get ready to turn the camera off, would you? Okay. Yeah, go around, and I'm going to give right. them my socials. All right. Say bye. Peace out. <laughs> and you can find me on social media at Jimmers on Twitter. That's with three M's at Jimmers with five M's on Instagram and at Jim Mason on Facebook. Totally had a brain fart there. You can also find graphic content on social media all over the place. We are at graphic podcast on Twitter. We are at graphic content dot podcast on Instagram and we are on Facebook. 
where we keep our official page where we share news and notes about the show, as well as news and notes shared by other sites such as CBR, Bleeding Cool, uh, Heidi McDonald's The Beats on the page of stuff that we find interesting. So, Adam, from off camera, what do we tell the kids to do? Hold on a second, because I want to give shout-outs to the people who watch it. Okay, so we're going to give shout <laughs> God yeah. damn it. He put his finger up. I should have known this was yeah. happening. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Manny. Thank you, Laura and Robert. All the people who commented and interacted, thank you very much. You guys are awesome. Thanks for being part of the show with us. And make sure you join our Instagram where we are spotlighting on Wednesdays Women's Creative Works. Nice. So that has become our new Wednesday thing. Please check us out. And if you have any recommendations for that or fan art for Midnight or Monday, please send that our way. We would love to hear that now. After that last plug, and, our th and again, thanks to everybody who watched this show. Adam, what do we tell the people to do when we're signing off air? Go read a comic. And after you read that comic, listen to graphic content and watch. I'm still on air, aren't I? I'm still. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Welcome to the graphic content podcast after show. <laughs>